This episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. Reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information. Everybody, this is Mike Van Meter, and this is Recovery is Possible. Thanks for joining me here today. And I want to talk to you today about 10 things that everybody in recovery needs to know. 10 things that everybody in recovery needs to know. Because, you know, recovery from any form of addiction, whether that's a chemical addiction or a process addiction or even a mental health challenge, is a courageous and transformative journey. And, and I want to talk about some things that, that are important that everybody ought to know. And... First of all, you need to know that recovery is possible, and I I think the first thing that I need to discuss is that you have to believe that you can recover, number one, because if you don't believe that you can recover, then chances are you're probably not going to recover. So you have to understand that you can, in fact, recover, and then have the willingness and the uh, determination to get well, because recovery is a very difficult process, even when you want to get well. That's why I say if you don't want to get well, then you're not going to get well. But if you want to, it's going to be very difficult, but you can. And uh, you're you're just going to have to realize certain things. And I know that in my own journey, and it wasn't until I realized that I had to change my thinking at its core. I mean, just change my thinking at its core and turn almost every idea that I had uh, about my lifestyle around. I wasn't going to get well until I, I realized that. And so, first of all, you have to realize that it's a process. Recovery is not a destination. It's an ongoing process. It takes time, patience, and commitment to heal and and create lasting changes in your life. And and that's really what we're looking for is those lasting changes that you can maintain for the rest of your life. And and I'm going to talk about the process and how we're going to make it manageable. manageable. Because if you think that... uh, you're not going to drink or drug for the rest of your life. That might be overwhelming for a lot of people. And we don't look at our entire lifespan in recovery. We, we break this down into manageable bites. I'm going to talk about that here a little bit more. And you just got to be patient with it. You have to know that particularly in early recovery, there's a lot of healing that goes on in your mind and your body and all the neuropathways need to, to heal. Uh, you have to get the vitamins and minerals back into your body that's been depleted, especially if you've been drinking alcoholically. I mean, after all, serotonin levels dro- have dropped, GABA levels have dropped, the B series of vitamins have not even been absorbed, and that has to be replaced and, and healed. And that is going to take time, about a year to a year and a half for most people, depending on how well you take care of yourself. But that's also assuming that you're exercising regularly, sleeping regularly, and eating 
in a way where you're going to be getting all those vitamins and minerals back. And so it's going to take that time. So understand that. So that's number one. It's a process. So number two is having self-compassion. And this is crucial because you want to be kind and gentle with yourself. You know, recovery can be challenging and setbacks can occur and often do occur. And that's okay as long as you get back up. It's not how many times you fall down. It's how many times you get back up. And it can be challenging. But remember that relapse is not a failure, but an opportunity to learn and grow. <laughs> so if we uh, if we do relapse, we have to understand that we can go back and learn from the things that we did that led to the relapse. Hold on to those things that we were working for us because we don't want to get rid of those. We want to make sure that we hold on to the things that work well for us and then learn from them to things that did not work. But make sure that that is a learning process. Bill Wilson even talked about that. And he answered somebody's letter once that, that wrote to him and, and was uh, feeling uh, ashamed in that they had relapsed. And Bill said, no, it's not, it's not a problem. It's just a matter of learning from that and moving forward. So always have that self-compassion. And then also, number three, is making sure that you have the support around the you that you need because support is essential. So you want to get support from your trusted friends, family members, or support groups. Surround yourself with people who understand your struggles and can provide uh, the encouragement you need and the guidance and the empathy. So we want to have a recovery community. Remember, addiction is isolation and recovery is community. And that's going to be your 12-step groups. It may be a church group. It may be other groups that you are working with. It may be family members. It may be other people that are in recovery that are not necessarily sponsors, but people that that you trust and and people that you can learn from, those trusted confidants. And we want to have that community. You know, when we are in addiction, we just become so isolated from everyone around us. That's that's family members. It's uh, really anyone. And we want to make sure that we now get into an area where we have everyone working with us towards our recovery and making sure that we are not spending large amounts of time with people that are negative and toxic because we want to get the toxic part out of our life because it is the resentments that lead to relapse. Resentments lead to relapse and we want to uh, get rid of anyone in our life that, uh, and, and sometimes that can even be family members to be honest with you. But if there are people that can create those resentments and those dark thinking patterns, we want to make sure that we can minimize that, maybe even eliminate that if if possible. And uh, along with that, number four, we want to build that strong support network, strong support network. And you want to cultivate those relationships with the people who support your recovery goals. If they're not supporting your recovery goals, these are if these are not people that want to see you succeed in recovery, then we want to be very careful with the amount of time that we spend with them. So you want to attend support group meetings, engage in therapy or counseling, you know, because those are not mutually exclusive. In fact, oftentimes they go hand in hand. Um, and you want to connect with uh, people who have similar experiences. And that's why recovery group meetings are so important because we can learn from those that have gone before us and have gotten well. You want to look at them. You want to look at these people. You want to look at their sobriety and find those that have a life that you want to emulate. You want to emulate 
what they are doing, and you want to surround yourself with those people. And always be around people that are positive, that are always having that positive outlook and talking about how they overcame difficulties in their life and focused on the positive. And that's why this concept of gratitude, always being grateful for the things that we do have. Because oftentimes in recovery, we spend uh, an inordinate amount of time focusing on the things that are going wrong, the things that we don't have, the things that that aren't going uh, right in our lives. But with gratitude and in recovery, we want to focus on those things that are going well. Because even in the midst of tragedy, chaos, uh, those dark times, there oftentimes is something that we can, in fact, be grateful for, even if it's just waking up and breathing that day. And we want to focus on that. So number five, we want to practice honesty and openness, right? Honesty is fundamental to recovery. Being brutally honest is what we talk about. And you want to be honest with yourself about your challenges and the underlying issues that contribute to your addictive behaviors. Because for many of us, there's uh, what we call co-occurring disorders. Or uh, in other words, uh, addiction is not our only issue. Maybe we have some bipolar issues. Maybe we have depression issues. Maybe we have uh, other addictions. Maybe we have uh, some things that we need to work on in our lives that can at least exacerbate our Uh, addiction issues and can help or or hurt rather our journey towards recovery. And we want to be open about that. And we want to be honest about that. And that, you know, because addiction is, it's often said that addiction um, grows in darkness and we want to put a light on our addiction and our problems and make sure that we are doing everything we can to get the help that we can. And we can only get help when we're honest not only with others, but ourselves, right? Being honest about how difficult and how how damaging our addiction has been. And I, I think that that's one of the things as a therapist now that I, I struggle the most with patients, and that is getting them to be incredibly honest about how bad this is. You know, in the addiction center that I work in, I will often hear people compare out and they'll say, you know, this isn't all that bad. You know, I just messed up that, you know, I'll do better next time, or I'm not as bad as some of these other patients. You'll even hear people say that they are a functional alcoholic. And I don't know what that is. I mean, alcohol and being functional, uh, alcoholic and being functional don't belong in the same sentence. They, they just don't. And I think we do that to minimize how bad the situation is, how bad the addiction is. And usually when I say, well, how are you functional? Patients will say, well, I go to work. I still have a job. And what I tell them is that if I were to pull their family members in and talk to the family members, that the likelihood is that their family member is going to say, this person's not functional at all. We haven't had a relationship Uh, We haven't had sex in a long time. We have not been intimate in a long time. Uh, He or she doesn't spend time with the kids. They don't spend time with me. And really, they say they go to work, but it's just shocking to everyone in their life that they've not been fired by this point. And truth be told, it's probably coming down the road, but it just hasn't happened yet. We call that the yets in recovery. It just hasn't happened yet. And the, the loved one will say, look, they're not near as functional as they they think that they are. But we do that as a defense mechanism. We do that to make it not sound as bad as it is. And that's why I go back to the fifth point that we're making here today, and that is honesty and openness is critical. And until you're honest and open 
yourself with the how bad the addiction is, you're likely not going to get well, and you're you're going to have to do that. So practice open communication with your support network, and that's one of the things that we do in recovery meetings is. We practice that sharing with one another and speaking. You know, a lot of people go to meetings and they don't want to speak at all. They're afraid to. They don't want to share with others. But it's important that we do that because when we open up and we speak about what's on our mind, then that's the beginning steps of recovery because not only not only are we open and honest with others, but we're open and honest with ourselves. So take it one day at a time. This is number six. One day at a time. Focus on the present moment and take Each day as it comes, break down your recovery journey into smaller, manageable steps and celebrate each milestone along the way. You know, I once talked to a man who is an ultra runner. He's one of these guys that runs 100-mile races. Yes, I said 100-mile races. And I asked him how he could run 100 miles. And he said, you know, Mike, I run 100 miles And I can do that because I don't look at it the way that you or other people do. He says, I don't look at it as I'm running 100 miles. I'm just running to the next aid station. And when I get to that aid station, I run to the tree line. And after I get to the tree line, I run to the point where my crew is at. It may be a couple of miles down the road. And then I run to the next aid station after that and so on and so forth. And he says, I just do this over and over until before you know it, I've run 100 miles. He said, but if if I was to think about running 100 miles, my mind would just shut down. And so recovery is a lot like that. You know, it's very common for people to talk about recovery in 24-hour increments. You know, I think about today. I don't think about staying sober for the rest of my life or even this month or even this year. I just think about staying sober today. Do I plan on drinking or drugging today? No. Well, What if you're someone that struggles with even 24 hours? You can ask yourself, well, can I just not drink or drug before breakfast? Then you get to breakfast. Well, how about not drinking or drugging before noon? Okay, well, how about three in the afternoon? How about uh, not drinking or drugging before lunch? That's how we break our days down. And that makes it so much more manageable. And a lot of people use this technique And then to celebrate the milestones that we get, uh, it's very common in 12-step meetings to hand out a 24-hour chip. That means that you've, you've celebrated that 24 hours, and then, you know, after a month, two months, up to six months, a year, 18 months, and then every year after that. And we want to celebrate those steps because it's, it's great for us to be able to see that we are achieving certain milestones. And you should be proud of that. It's Anybody that's in recovery knows that recovery is one of the hardest things that they have ever done. And we need to celebrate these milestones. And another thing is getting these coins and celebrating people who are in recovery, it helps those that are brand new to recovery to understand and to see physically that it can be done. So we want to do that. We want to take it one day at a time. Focus on the present moment and take each day as it comes. So number seven is identifying uh, and addressing those triggers. Uh, It is the triggers, you know, those things, people, places, things, situations. That's like the famous tagline. People, places, things, and situations that will, quote unquote, trigger us back to wanting to have a drink or drug. 
right? People, places, emotions, or those situations that may tempt you to engage in your addictive behaviors. And you want to develop strategies to cope and avoid with these these triggers whenever you can. And um, that's why, particularly in early recovery, that, that first year, the first two years even, we want to make sure that we have a strategy, whether it be, you know, going to a party, if, if it's a work-related party and we have to go, going with a sober partner, maybe a sponsor, someone that understands what you're struggling with and going with them. Maybe going to a, a party and having a drink with you, a glass of water, glass of ginger ale, cup of coffee, whatever the case may be. You know, developing that strategy. And there are books out there. There's literature out there that's... Uh, uh, there, there, there's an AA book that's out there. When I say AA book, it's uh, it's approved by the NA, and the AA uh, General Services, and it's called Living Sober. And this is a whole book that that talks about strategies and how to get through early sobriety without relapsing. Just some tools and techniques. And that's not the only book. And I'm not not plugging that book per se. It's just one book of many that you can look at. So having those strategies, that's going to be very, very important. Uh, maybe people are triggers for you. Maybe going to concerts, maybe going to football games. Those things in early recovery that we want to avoid so we don't relapse. So identify and address those triggers. So uh, number eight, we want to develop hoping, uh, healthy coping mechanisms. You know, you want to find healthy ways to manage your stress, you know, such as exercise, mindfulness, meditation, creative outlets, or engaging in hobbies that you used to enjoy. And uh, maybe you'll discover some activities that bring you joy and fulfillment. Lately, I've picked up pickleball. Maybe you've heard of pickleball. This is the new craze going around the country, and it's a lot of fun. And, but it's a way that uh, you know you can take mind off of any triggers. You take your mind off of uh, life, work, you know, things that that are distressful to you. You know, something that can occupy your mind, and so you're not your mind is not wandering and. And, uh, you know, because there's this this saying that, you know, free time in addicts, you know, nothing good is going to come out of that. And I definitely agree with that. So maybe playing the guitar, playing the piano, running, exercising, you know, many of us used to do these things. And this is a way for us to start doing that again. So developing those healthy, healthy coping mechanisms. And number nine, you want to practice self-care. And you want to make this a priority. You want to prioritize your self-care and recovery. And, and you know, you want to take care of yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Uh, you know, so for my friends that say that they're functional alcoholics, and I say, no, that's not true because you might be going to work, but you're probably not taking care of yourself physically and emotionally. And, and, and being spiritual is important too. Now, notice I didn't say re- uh, religion. I said, taking care of yourself spiritually, whether it's meditation, whether it's uh, yoga, whether it's just spending time out in nature and and just thinking and meditating about you, your life, you have to do that. And along with that, you know, we're so abusive towards our bodies in our addiction that in recovery, we want to spend a lot of time working on taking care of our bodies. And that could be working out, diet, sleep, things like that. Now, Number 10, you want to uh, set realistic goals for yourself. You know, the achievable goals that you can align with your recovery journey. You know, you want to start small and gradually gradually work your way towards bigger goals and celebrate each accomplishment, uh, no matter how small. And it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, that, you know, maybe it's at celebrating that 24-hour uh, achievement and getting that, that coin and looking at each day as an accomplishment because there was a period 
in your life where you were not able to celebrate 24 hours or reach the 24-hour goal. And, and particularly in those early days, we want to be grateful for and celebrate and share that with others when that occurs. So that's that's very, very, very important. And so uh, we also want to stay committed to our personal growth. You know, recovery is not just about ab- abstaining from addictive behaviors. It's about personal growth and self-improvement. Every day, trying to get better in some way. Some way we are improving and we are growing. And we want to uh, use our sobriety to do as much as we can, not only for ourselves, but others. You know, when in our addiction, we were just so caught up in our addiction that it was all about us and our self-gratification and our numbing out and not feeling. And we want to be the exact opposite of that in recovery. And with that, you know, whether it's going back to school, learning a new hobby, learning a new instrument, uh, just just growing and growing every day, we want to do that. And we want to make a commitment to do that. And then, once again, our 12th point here, we want to celebrate that progress and recognize and celebrate your progress no matter how small, because recovery is a significant achievement and every step forward counts. There are so, let me tell you something, there are so few people that get into long-term recovery, that attempt to get into recovery, that you need to be very proud of that. If this is you, if you are someone that has achieved long-term sobriety, whether it's two years, five years, really the medical definition of long-term recovery is five years. If you've gotten past that point, you need to celebrate that because so few people have done that. But along with that, for our people that have just started out in recovering, you know, if you're in long-term recovery, you know how difficult early recovery it is and allow our friends to uh, celebrate that and we celebrate along with them because that is a very very big achievement and uh, you know with that we want to remember that everybody's recovery is a journey and it's unique for each person and what works for one person may not work for another i think that it's true that people in long-term recovery tend to do certain things people that don't get in recovery also tend to do certain things and they they tend to be in the same world spheres of of one another Meaning, generally speaking, people in recovery do do things. Now, um, they all have a spiritual program. For example, <laughs> for example, for some that might, for some people that might be a uh, a religious program. For others, it might be a spiritual program, meditation program, or connecting with nature. But what they all have in common is that they have a program that that they are working. Okay, so it doesn't look the same, but they're doing similar types of things. If that makes sense. And then those that don't get into recovery also tend to do the same things. And that's what we want to avoid. So you want to be patient, you want to be compassionate and persistent with it. And I tell you, with time and effort, recovery is possible, right? That's the name of this program. And a healthier, fulfilling life awaits you and it does get better. I can tell you if my life had not gotten better, I wouldn't be in recovery this long. And so my friends, those are the 12 points that I wanted to share with you tonight uh, about recovery. And these are the things that I think everybody in recovery needs to know. And so with that, guys, this is Mike Van Meter. This is Recovery is Possible. And I want to thank you for joining us tonight. You take care of yourselves. We'll talk with you soon.
This episode of Recovery is Possible is brought to you by Retreat Behavioral Health, where there are endless possibilities for recovery. Retreat provides quality care at their leading mental health and substance use treatment centers, which are designed to offer patients truly personalized and comprehensive programs that are tailored to their needs. Retreat Substance Use and Mental Health Treatment Centers in Palm Beach County, Florida, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and New Haven, Connecticut do everything in their power to ensure that patients receive the highest quality treatment in a safe and comfortable setting. Reach out today at RetreatBehavioralHealth.com or call at 855-802-6600 for more information.